Iowa everywhere. Chris Williams. Oops, Chris. Chris Hassel. Two guys named Chris. Presented by Fairway Meat and Grocery. From the Channel Seed Studios, this is Iowa Everywhere. Channel Seed. Seedsmanship at work. Happy Monday. It is the 25th of September and you are watching or listening to two guys named Chris wherever you take us in. If it's live on YouTube every Monday and Thursday at 8.30, perhaps you are watching on Twitter, Facebook, or the Iowa Everywhere Podcast Network, we welcome you. My name is Chris Williams. I am joined, as always, by Chris Hassel. We are presented by our friends at Fairway Meat and Grocery Live in the Channel Seed Studios. Happy harvest to everybody out there. And uh, how are you, Chris Hassel, cross-country traveling? Jeez, uh, it was a whirlwind, brother. It was a real whirlwind. Um, Do you have problems at all? or <laughs> um, Somewhat. Flew out there on, on Friday. Everything went smoothly for the most part. Um, but, you know, I was looking up on Apple and on Waze. Like, how far is it from the... What is, what's going to take me from the Portland airport to get to Eugene? And it said like an hour and 55 minutes. Every time I looked, hour and 55 minutes. Well, Jesus. Uh, it was move-in weekend at Oregon. And I guess a lot of people come from Portland. I landed at 1 in the afternoon on Friday. And it took me two hours and 45 minutes to get there. And it, I, it's my first time in Oregon. In, within 15 minutes, they became the worst driving state hmm. on my list. Those sons of bitches. It's three lanes of interstate. The slowest drivers go in the left lane. A little bit faster in the middle. And very few drive on the right. So the one good thing about that is you can pass everybody's ass on the right. But then you're dealing with all the people coming in off the exits. It is a shit show. What? Then, after the game, I'm thinking, geez, I'm going to get to the airport. I'm going to have all this time to sit down, maybe watch the end of the Iowa game, uh, watch the end of the Notre Dame-Ohio State game, have dinner. It, it was supposed to take, like I said, two hours. And I thought with game traffic, two and a half, maybe three. Yeah, Van Wink's got it pulled up right now. What's that say on there on the old map quest? An hour and... Hour 40, 45. hour 45 or so. <laughs> it took me four and a half hours wow. to get from Autzen Stadium to the airport. And it was piss and rain the whole time. Your prototypical light Pacific Northwest rain. I know. What time is your flight? Everybody in the comments is bitching about me bitching. I know. It's the cold. It's the it's the it's the driving. Well, I got there just in time. Just in time for my flight. It was close. Good. And well, then I took I'm the glad. red eye back and I lost my AirPods. Well. That's and get not this. Good. Hey, I'm, I'm, I know I'm bitching again. God damn it. Uh, well, you've had a rough weekend so, being a Bears fan and a, and a oh, Hawkeye Jesus fan. Christ. It's been a bad weekend. So I, I land in Atlanta after about an hour of sleep on the red eye. And I go, have you ever seen one of those minute suites? No, I don't airport? go to suites in airports. No, I don't do that. Well, it's where you can go in and, and like they give you a room and a bed. 
where you lay down and sleep if you got a long layover. And so I go in there, and I, I'm so tired, and I've got... I'm surprised you would do that with your germaphobe I've got three stuff. hours. Well, yeah, it's, it's a little weird. But I was so tired, I just did it, and I had to pay like 36 bucks or whatever. I did it. Slept for two hours. I get home. Realize, oh my God, my AirPods are gone. So I go to find my Travis. AirPods, and it takes me to this house in a suburb of Atlanta. The woman at the Minute Suites stole my AirPods because I left them in there. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was that kind of trip, Williams. And, and I didn't even mention the worst part of this. My, my right ear got 100% plugged up on the flight out to Oregon. Oh, that's a bitch. It's still plugged. Did you do the thing where you... Oh, yeah. Up? Williams, I've done that 150 times. Man. I'm, I'm out, like, I'm trying to... A lot of people like, calling you elitist in the comment section right now. Just saying. For, for what? I mean, a lot... Look, it was cool being out at Austin. We have... We just... We have too much sports to get uh, to. You're right. We're six minutes into the show, and we haven't even talked about the absolute disaster that was the Iowa-Penn State game, which I had to watch on my phone up on the dashboard as I'm going through traffic for four and a half hours. Do you want to know how much Iowa State fans hate Iowa now? What do you mean? After the game, I you know, I get done with my post-game show, whatever, coming through. There's There's all these great finishes going on, and I'm walking through the – RV Village, and all I see are these just people sitting outside just laughing at Iowa. <laughs> like, they're not watching Ohio State, Notre Dame. They're just cheering for Penn State. The rivalry is real, my friend. Of course it is. And Iowa fans do the same thing, even though they won't admit they it. They won't admit it. <laughs> my dad loves watching Iowa State and cheering against them. Yeah, it's real. All right. Um, well, let's let's just start and say that 76 total yards, four first downs, that um, it it actually topped a uh, there was a new low offensively for Iowa. I'm gonna let you just kind of go because I know you have a ton on your mind. I have a lot of big picture stuff that I don't even know if we're gonna have time for today. But it's like mm-hmm. if I'm a this Caleb Brown still doesn't have a catch. <laughs> Cade McNamara is like totally like a shell of himself. Like I just don't know why any of these transfers would go there as long as the Ferences are running offense. But that's probably a whole other podcast for, for later in the year. We'll start with this one, Hassel. What did you think? Well, I, I knew Iowa was in big trouble when Nestler and Danielson came out on the, uh, the open of the show. And, you know, they're talking about Iowa's offensive struggles the last couple of years. And they said, but, but. They really believe that they've got the corner turned. They've got the answer in Cade McNamara at quarterback. Like it, the coach is just feeding them BS in the week leading and up. They to showed this. the Come highlights on. of that that swarm trip to California. Where they oh my god! Uh, look, the the Luke Lachey injury is huge. Um, Massive. M- m- losing a couple of running backs is is not easy to get over either. I thought this would be a really, really difficult game for Iowa to have any chance in the second half to win. Uh, They almost had to play perfect. 
And they did start the game nearly perfect. They get they get the punt inside the five yard line. That the, the, their signature punt. The defense has them backed up on the one yard yep. line. They get That's the great. ball back. They're marching into the red zone, and there it is. Eric All fumbles the football, and that was it. That was the only thing Penn State needed. And from then on, Iowa had no chance. And I'm not going to say I saw him losing 31 nothing or in this ugly of a fashion, but I'm really not, I wasn't that surprised by what I saw. Once that ball, that avalanche started rolling and the boulder started rolling down the hill and the offense couldn't get a first down and the defense had to stay out there on the field, this is what happens. This is exactly what happened last year at Ohio State. This is exactly what happened the year before against Michigan. Iowa is just nowhere near the level of these Big Ten contenders. All the talk this offseason was about how they've closed the gap. Now they've got the quarterback. They've got the offense that they can compete in games like this. Not only is that not the case, I fear that the gap is widening. I mean, that, that was a pathetic performance. And I think that it would be the same thing if they played Ohio State or Michigan this season. You know, and I, I would also add, and, and again, I'm going bigger picture than you, but, you know, they used to be able to play in these games and you could you could keep it close and you could give yourself a shot. Right. But I will, I will again go back to your offensive line as a shell of what mm-hmm. it once was. And if you don't have that core, having the ability to play in these games gets rather impossible. You know, that mm-hmm. used to be the core. At the very least, they could burn some clock. They weren't ever this great running team or anything, but they could get some, I mean, four first downs. Like that's, There was that's a stretch in the believe. game where they had five or six straight three and outs. Where uh, they, John they, Miller they negative yardage on those drives. John Miller said on Hawkeye Sunday, it was something like there were only, don't quote, I think only two drives in the whole game that were longer than three and out. It was the first drive mm-hmm. where all had the 20-yard catch and there was one more, and then the rest were like, they had a couple obviously like one-play drives with fumbles and, and whatnot. But again, like it, it's just, there's so many more problems, but I always played this ugly, weird brand a lot mm-hmm. in the Ferentz era, but they've usually been very competent to very good on the offensive right. line, which allowed you to do it. And now like that aspect is gone. Your average at best on the offensive line, and I would say like compared to the teams you're trying to compete against, you're worse. Yeah. yeah. And you you can't do it with this scheme. This scheme was archaic ten years ago. This scheme is medieval now. <laughs> like you can't and, play this way and lose games like this by thirty plus points. Lose at Ohio State by 40-plus points. Lose to Michigan by 40-plus points in the Big Ten Championship game. If you're going to play this way, it has to be because you're leveling the playing field against everybody, including the best of the best. And that's how it was for the longest time in the Kirk Ferentz tenure. They wouldn't get blown out of any game. They would play down to their level of competition at times, but they wouldn't get blown out against the best of the best. And that has changed over the last several years. And it's because of the offense and how bad it is. And throughout the course of the game, 
The defense has to be out there constantly. I mean, they, what they give up last year to Ohio State? 55 points, and the defense actually played really good in that game. Yeah, they did. I mean, th- that's how insane this is. I had Van Wink go in and look at the numbers again for Iowa through four games. Iowa's offensive numbers out of 133 FBS teams this season. Total offense, which is total yards, 131st. First downs, 131st. Passing offense, which that was supposed to be the the, the huge improvement with Cade McNamara. 121st. Pass plays of 10 plus yards, 126th. Fumbles, 124th. If you're going to play this way, you cannot fumble the football. No. You got to be top 10 in the country in fumbles. And I was 124th. Incredible, some incredible tidbits in the, the David Eichel column at yeah, um, great 24-7 Sports yesterday. And one of them was Iowa had more fumbles than first downs. Six fumbles, four first downs. And just to give a little bit more perspective on, on those numbers that I just rattled off and those rankings... In total offense, Iowa's only ahead of two teams. They're not Power 5 teams. They're averaging 245.5 yards per game. They are the only Power 5 team not averaging more than 300 yards a game. I mean, they are 62 full yards a game behind the next closest Power 5 team. In first downs... They're the worst power five team in the country by three first downs a game. Three a game. Pass plays a 10 plus. They have 19 on the season. That's last in the power five as well. And the passing offense, which is 126th with just 127 yards a game, that is 30 yards worse than the average per game last season. I mean, the numbers are staggering. And yes, they played one of the best teams in the country this week. But the other three weeks, they didn't. The other three weeks, Iowa State was the best defense they saw. We saw what Oklahoma State did to that defense this past week. (sighs) Went into this week saying Iowa is basically the same team as they were last year. My logic was the defense is a, li- is a little bit worse, has a, a few more holes in it, and the offense is a little bit better. I don't know if that's the case. Is the offense better? Well, with all the injuries, it's a real right. question mark. Like, it's a real question now. When you take the running backs out and then Lachey, and I, I don't... I guess I don't know the status of the running backs. I'm assuming you're going to get them back, but Look, I, I don't think it matters, I, Running backs frankly. don't... Don't matter that much to me. I mean, yeah, we they, saw what they just the don't Sam matter in football anymore. Yeah, and, and well, at the same time, having said all that, having an absolute embarrassment on national television again in a huge spot, I still think they're going to go nine and three. So this is where it gets really interesting to me, <laughs> and I, I've told this story multiple times. But when I was doing talk radio daily in Des Moines. Like, I'm an Iowa State guy, and I'm an old-school Iowa guy. So I grew up in the Fry years wearing the winged jerseys, okay? And 
those days, Chris, when we were in like middle school, we would have killed for nine, ten win seasons in any form, like whatever. We would sure. So, but, but it was so different back then because well, <laughs> no, you I didn't get, have Rutgers and Maryland in the Big Ten. Correct. Well, you hear didn't me have out. Nebraska. You didn't have divisions. You were playing Ohio State and Michigan every year. Hear me out. Would like what? What percentage? I guess would you say of this fan base? Because you are, you're very on record. I'm tired of going nine wins in this brutal Big Ten West. I want to be able to compete at a different level, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. Yes. That's a an a really short amount of time describing you. And then you have, you know, the the type of fan that's like, hey, you know, nine wins is pretty good. Like, we'll mm-hmm. take it. Like, um, not going to complain about it as long as we're still doing that. One, I would make the point to you, this is your last year of being able to do this, right? Like, Yes, everything changes the, next year. No Everything more changes. The Big Ten West You're gonna is You're going to be done. playing USC. Yeah, like so. This this all changes. So like, if that's your take, like that's fine for one more year, and then it's gone. Like, I don't think you're going to be able to do this anymore. But two, like what? So next week they play Michigan State, a broken program. Yeah, they're a they'll, broken. They'll probably program. score thirty plus points in that game. By the way, like this is everybody just happy? That's the problem. Is that you have, and, and I think the coaching staff will be. I I think the Big Ten West and the level of competition has has held Iowa back, has held Kirk Ferentz back from, let me steal a phrase from Matt Campbell, from being the best version of themselves. Because they know that they can play this way and not have any chance to beat any really good teams, even compete against those teams, and still win eight or nine games a year and still maybe even win the division. Because the division and the schedule is so bad. And that's I, why Kirk Ferentz, after these games, is defiant. Oh, you, you want us to change the playbook? No, I remember last year we got blown out by Ohio State, and we still had a chance to win the division. They are. They're going to have a chance. But that's not it, – it, it's different to win eight or nine games, one with a tough schedule, two when you're actually competing in the biggest games of the season. It's another to win eight or nine games, and you're getting your ass kicked – each time you play a good team. I'll say something I thought I'd never say. This is total contradictory to everything I've ever stood for. I wouldn't want to play in the Big Ten Championship game this year if I'm Iowa. A lot of fans felt that way last year and were relieved that they lost yeah. to Nebraska we've, because my that point same is, thing was going to happen last we've year. We've seen enough. Like, yeah. And you've already become this national like joke. And and it's not going to change. Like, And, and plus... The other thing about this, too, is that when you look at like just the way it's set up now, oftentimes these East teams are going for style points for playoff positioning, too. So they're going to – and, you know, I, I'm surprised it didn't get worse the other night, frankly. Like, I thought y'all were going to lose by 40 or more at, you know, midway through that third quarter. I, I just – again, like, it's hard for me because I'm an Iowa State fan and I would give anything for a nine-win season, but I'm also kind of going through it in the same boat where it's like – Okay, Campbell's won some of these ugly games, but then you had like what happened on Saturday, and it was just like I never seen people so happy walking through the lots. And it wasn't just that they won, but it was because they made a pivot and they changed things, and they they're they're at least trying, right? And mm-hmm. what's frustrating about watching Iowa is you have good players. Like I mean, we've seen Cade McNamara do it. This 
you've got these wide receivers that you brought in that you're not even using. Eric All is a good receiving tight end. I mean, I know Lachey's not out there now, but like you, you have good players. This is totally a, a systematic deal, and it's making these guys worse. And we've seen it for how many yeah. years now? It, it makes them worse. Every they get single worse the longer they're there. Has regressed in this Kirk Ferentz system, going all the way back to pro- the last one that didn't regress is probably well. Chandler only started a year, so he couldn't regress. Kind of the same thing with Banks. Um, but er- everybody since then regressed. Uh, Stanzi regressed. Uh, Vandenberg regressed. Uh, Bethard regressed. And I think part of that was injury as well. Rudock, a little bit of regression, and then he transferred. Stanley never really realized, I don't think, his potential. He's looking back on it better than I think we gave him credit for. When he started in Trice and he had like five touchdowns and we're yeah, like, oh they, my God. Yeah, they put up 44 points. Yeah. And and everything they did, they put up 55 against Ohio State. That was a Brian Ferentz coached team. Brian Ferentz was the offensive coordinator in the Woodshed game against Ohio State. My, yeah, I think like the issue against standing back, I'm not really emotionally tied to this at all. What gets hard as a fan is when you you buy into, and we did too. We had a fucking emergency podcast due to a wide receiver coming to Iowa, which is stupid. Wide receivers never matter in this offense. They never have. Well, and they likely they haven't since you know DJK and McNutt. That's a that's the last time they've in my mind. Like yeah, yeah. Um, but you you but it's like bring up a good point. And what happens next? I've seen this uh, from uh, national people on on Twitter who are looking at this from a distance and they're seeing what's happening with Cade McNamara and they're saying, why the hell after this would anyone on offense, quarterback, wide receiver, want to go to Iowa, no matter what the NIL is. And Cade McNamara got a good chunk of money. Got to take his team out to California on the NIL dollar. But how are you going to convince... dollars going to work. Yeah. How are you going to convince any decent playmaker, quarterback, to come? And I'm not just saying transfer portal. I mean, this has to go to recruiting as well. Who in their right mind would want to step into this thing right now? It is so toxic. I'm telling you right now, all the you know college football podcasts today, they, they've, they're getting ready. I, I've just gotten a bunch of notifications from Bud Elliott from the Cover 3 podcast. They can't wait to talk about Iowa in their podcast today and the chase for 325. After that mess. I mean, it just blows my mind going back to the announcers, and every time Iowa gets the a set of announcers that hasn't seen them in a while, like Nestler and Danielson, it's probably been, I don't know, maybe 10 years since either one of them have seen Iowa. And just how dumbfounded they are by like the second quarter. It doesn't take long. Like they come into it talking Iowa up because they're, they're thinking everything they heard throughout the week from the coaches is actually true, and it's not. 
And then by the second quarter, they're like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure if Iowa <laughs> allows another field goal here and this becomes a two possession game. I'm not sure they're going to be able to, to come back. All you have to do is look at the Las Vegas live totals. John Miller was texting us during that game <laughs> and pointed out something incredible that I, I, I've never, I've never really heard before. At halftime of that game, what was the score? 17 10 nothing, nothing, I believe. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 okay. 0. At halftime, Iowa's live point total for the whole game was five and a half, and it was minus money. It was my, you had to put 120 bucks down just to win 100. And with eight minutes left in the third quarter, David Eicholt wrote this in his column. I think Iowa's live total was like three and a half with 23 minutes left in the game. Th- that is insane. That's like um, uh, Alabama playing Presbyterian levels there. And you know what? They didn't. Jeff points out it was 2.5 with eight minutes to go in the third quarter of the live line. I'm not sure if I talked to you about this. There was a Thursday night game a couple weeks ago. It was Miami, the U, Mm -hmm. taking on... um, Bethune-Cookman. And the the number before the game was 0.5. For Bethune-Cookman points. Yeah. And you took it. Yeah, I played it. I played the over because it's like... And they did. Yeah, I was texting you about that. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. that to your point... That's the type of miss. I mean, I think Miami was like a forty-five point favorite in that game. No, they were they were like. fifty-plus point favorite in that <laughs> okay. game. Okay, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, tough night, man. We'll, we'll, we're going to do more with it. I, I think there's a bigger picture conversation here too, and I maybe Miller and I will do that on our pod this week too because he. He's been a pretty big proponent that he thinks this is Kirk Ferentz's last year. Yeah, let, let, let's just t- take a second here and evaluate where we're at right now um, with with Iowa. And, you know, this whole drive to 325, this averaging 25 points a game thing, what makes it so ridiculous is that it really doesn't matter. No. It, whether Iowa ends up averaging 22 points a game or 28 points a game, it doesn't matter. It's not going to affect what happens going forward with Brian Ferentz. It's not. If if Kirk Ferentz if Kirk Ferentz is going to keep coaching, he is going to have Brian Ferentz with him because nobody else is going to hire this guy. He. he has to, Kirk Ferentz has to rehab his own son before he can get any kind of job elsewhere. So I'm starting to wonder if Kirk Ferentz, who maybe he was hoping this was going to be his last year, I'm starting to wonder if he's going to stay longer just mm. in hopes of, one, potentially rehabbing Brian Ferentz's image so that he can get another job moving forward, or... Or two, keeping his career alive. Because if Kirk Ferentz retires right now, Brian Ferentz is done. His own son is done. Like, we know what parents do for their kids. This is why nepotism laws exist and why this shouldn't be a thing. You're a parent, you're going to do whatever it takes for your son. And Kirk Ferentz knows that. Kirk Ferentz knows that if he retires right now, that's it. Brian is going to have to like go down to the very bottom 
and try to work his way back up again. But the longer he stays, the longer he stays employed, the longer he gets a a consistent good paycheck, and the more opportunity maybe he has to rehab that image. Another thing I would add to that is let's say that like Belichick would try and hire him as like a because he's Kirk's buddy or whatever. But could I you think imagine if that the was going to happen? It would have happened last offseason. And I don't I don't know if you can do it now. Like Iowa's become such a national punchline. Well, that's what I'm saying. And they but they were yeah. last season too. No, I, mean, I know. But even after this year, if it gets worse, right? Like I mm-hmm. I think it I think it's worse now. Like, could you oh, imagine? Like, I, I, right now it is. Coming off of that game, it is worse right now. Now, But it's, Williams, it's going to change a little bit because Iowa doesn't play anybody the rest of the way. So they are going to start putting up points again. I Like I said, I, I had them going 9-3 and three in losing this game to Penn State. Nothing I saw in that game changed my mind. 9-3 and three is where I still have them. The only it, thing it, I would say that would make me worry just a little bit is again, if the, uh, this is assuming the offense scores what you're saying. If it doesn't, if it's because last year's offense sucked against everybody, it was a, they were just bad. I'm wondering, you know, if, if you're not getting these defensive touchdowns and stuff like that, that you have been, if, if maybe one of these teams can sneak. But God, that schedule's terrible. Look at it. It's Michigan it is State. so bad. Purdue. You guys toughest, won't beat Toughest Wisconsin. game is at Wisconsin. I don't think you'll beat Wisconsin now. Minnesota just lost to Northwestern. Then they oh. play Northwestern. They play Rutgers. Illinois has looked horrible. And then Nebraska. My it's God. So bad. Not a single ranked team on that schedule. The only team that would even have a chance to sniff the rankings at any point this season would be Wisconsin. They're getting better. They're they're on the trajectory we thought they would. I, we were both right on them, where I said it would take them a mm-hmm. while, and you pointed out by October 14th they'll be rolling. That game on Friday night, they were clicking offensively. Purdue made a nice little comeback in that, but... Wisconsin's offense is finally starting to click. All right, uh, let's move on. I want to give a shout-out to a couple of our great sponsors. First of all... You know what? But can you be more excited about it? All right, let's move on. I want to give a shout-out to I don't want to talk sponsors. about Iowa's offense anymore. <laughs> Circus Sports Iowa. Hey, we're still in the Survivor. Total bloodbath yesterday Man. with Circus Survivor. We are, we are in the top like 25% of Survivor now. And we we almost overthought ourselves into a yes. bad decision. We, we did. We really liked Seattle. And one of the reasons why I loved Seattle is because I didn't see any... I, I, I've watched a lot of Bryce Young. I didn't see any way he was going to go in there and keep the Panthers in the game. But Bryce Young gets hurt. Andy Dalton plays the game. And we knew that midweek, so we started thinking, God, that's that makes it a little bit different, a little bit scarier. Who should we who should we look at? You know, you you threw out Jags, and that was the biggest pick this mm. week. Forty one percent of entrants we didn't picked do the that. Jags. Yep. And and I said, I, I I don't trust the Jags. I don't trust them at all. Who did they play? They ended up getting beat by the Texans. Texans, yeah. Texans, yeah. And we nine took the Texans favorite. plus nine in our um, millions. Jaguars lose outright. You also 
said, well, what about the Cowboys? And, nope. I, and I don't like teams on the road. Nope. It's a good rule. Um, it's and, been, yep, good rule. And, and to and be fair, the, you you also thought maybe the Chiefs. I thought maybe the, the Chiefs 49ers. were the biggest no-brainer and, because and the they, Bears and, are just... A, and both of those teams won, but yeah. man. We stuck and, with our guns and, and we survived. We're still Ravens. there, Ravens. How about the Ravens? I mean, yeah. 10.5% of the entrance took the Ravens against the Colts. So we're still there, baby. Total bloodbath yesterday, which is great. We want to see everybody. You know, if Hassel and I win a couple million dollars, this show's done. We're both just going to retire. So yeah, I hope you guys hope you guys enjoy it. I've, I've already got millions in the bank. I'm a South Florida elitist. I'm just you don't doing have this kids. for fun. Hey, I want to give a shout out to our friends at uh, Iowa Corn. They're the uh, sponsor of the month here on, on, I almost said Psycho and Fanatic, Iowa Everywhere. And of course, Channel Seed. I, I saw this this Midwest versus everybody. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. follows on Twitter. They put out a uh, Harvest Hype tape today. Check this thing out. Getting you hyped up for harvest season? I fucking love it. It's my favorite thing I've ever seen. What's funny is, because I know, I'm thinking of like four of my buddies from back home that are farmers that have drones just so they can fly them around and take pictures of their crops and they do shit like this. It's the greatest thing ever. Shout out to all the great channel seedsmen and uh, harvest season. They're friends at Iowa Corn as well. Iowa State rolls out the... Cyclone Air Raid, which is just wild. Uh, I can't believe Iowa State owns the name Air Raid in a tweet on Sunday morning. This is not a real Air Raid, but it's like their own version of it, apparently. Rocco Beck was phenomenal, completes 65% of his passes. He's now uh, been over 70% of his passes in every game this year, except Iowa. That one brought him down. It was like 58 or 52, something like that, against the Hawkeyes. My favorite part of the game, Chris, was nine receivers caught passes. This is what I talked about last week, is spreading the field, making every player on that field. Uh, when Mike Leach was coaching, he would, at halftime, the number one thing he would look for, he didn't care about any of the – the only stat he cared about was how many players have touched the ball because mm-hmm. it makes you more um, difficult to defend against. Nine players catch passes for the Cyclones. And uh, we'll get to the defense, but I, I – I, Guy, give them a lot of credit. They 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 looked at what was going on and it wasn't working, and they made a really nice pivot. And that's as good as an Iowa State offense has looked in years. So, props to what? them. We'll see what happens next week in Oklahoma. But it was it was fun to watch. <clears throat> Other than the obvious, I mean, what really schematically changed with the offense? What is this new cyclone air raid that they rolled out? You saw, you know, I need to watch the tape back. It's hard to see it on the first time, but they're a lot I mean, less. it just looked like they threw it more to me. It, it was. There weren't as many of these three tight end sets where everything's packed together. Like That that was my biggest complaint mm-hmm. about them the last couple of weeks. It's just like when you do that, you know exactly where it's going. They used receivers more. Uh, they they split out some tight ends, you know, that type of stuff. Not not a huge difference. That's why it's kind of a, in quote, air raid, because it's not, it's not like a true air raid that they're running. But it's... It's simple to me. You're passing instead of running. You know you can't run block, so you're throwing the quick passing game, and you use that as a substitute. And 
here's the thing: their line is not good. Uh, they they really are, are are really quite bad at run blocking. But they Beck has only been sacked once all year, so their pass pro is fine. Rocco sees the field well; he's accurate. To me, this makes sense to just keep rolling this way. Um, and I'm not saying you completely give up on the run, but what was interesting about this one is, you know, you do this and you've thrown for 300 yards and then all of a sudden in the second half, the run game starts working. Funny how that works. Yeah. Right. Like, right. I I don't think it's just putting this Eli Sanders guy in and like, Oh, well that running back's better than the other ones. No, you'd loosened up the defense and all of a sudden there were holes that haven't existed before. So I, I just, I'll give him credit. Matt Campbell said something after the game on the Psycho One Radio Network that I believe deserves props. He, I'm paraphrasing, but Matt said something along the lines of he had to look in the mirror and he was coaching not to lose instead of coaching to win. And hmm. he, uh, the the quote is out there. The actual quote. But yeah. He, he said that he that his players deserve better from him, and. They they certainly went out there and did that on Saturday. There's a caveat. Oklahoma State's not very good. But I also think that Gundy is, you know, that was a desperate team they played. Mm-hmm. You know, Gundy is, they they have some talent. It's Oklahoma State. They're not, they're more talented than Ohio. They're not a better team than Ohio, but they're more talented than Ohio. And it it gave me, based on what you've been telling us about the Big 12, and I completely agree with you, it gave me some hope that they could win some games here in the Big 12 schedule. Well, this was this was the game they had to win. I mean, this mm-hmm. was the one game, the rest of the schedule, where we knew they were going to be favored, and, and they probably won't be favored unless they totally turn things around, upset Oklahoma or something. They probably won't be favored in any game the rest of the way. But because the conference is so down there will be some gettable games like i think the next home game against tcu could be a gettable game i don't know absolutely maybe at cincinnati maybe at baylor maybe those are gettable games i think they all are winnable at least matt campbell has shown that he can be a little bit different like he can maybe show a little bit more emotion admit that he was wrong and let the one thing that has been working, let it ride. The The one thing that's been constant this season and that's been good in bad games is your quarterback, Rocco Becht. Put the ball in his hands. He's a dual threat too. He can, there, there's a reason why he only, he's only been sacked once. He can move. He can buy more time. He can scramble. He can run. And he gets rid of the ball. Yeah. He's, he's got good control of that offense. And and they did what they needed to do. They won the game. Everybody's feels better. But you now let's see what they can do against yeah. a good team in, in Oklahoma. What's that and line also, right now? 20? 20, yeah. It's also a challenge, too. When you That was a game you were supposed to win. Everybody felt good about it. Well, now you're going into, you know, Brent Venables, one of the great defensive minds in the last 15 years of college football. Mm-hmm. So, like, you trusted your guys. There were a lot of these play calls where, on Saturday, where normally I feel like Campbell would just choose to just run it up the middle and kill time, frankly. Like, not even try, just play to punt. <laughs> and But they'd throw it. There was a fourth and three, Chris. It was I think it was in the first quarter. Yeah, it was fourth and three where 
I, one, like normally I think Campbell would have just punted it on a short field and pinned him back. Not only did they go for it, they scored a touchdown. It was like a 38-yard pass mm-hmm. on fourth and three. So they did a lot of uncharacteristic stuff. Now, it's one thing to do it at home against Oklahoma State, and it's another thing to do stuff like that on the road against a, what what looks to be a really, really good defense. Props to Brent Venables. They were a laughing stock on defense a year ago for him being a defensive guy, but it looks like they have really – I don't know about their offense yet. I, I need to watch that Cincinnati game. Like Their offense is weird to me. I, I don't think it's probably as good as their numbers would indicate. But defensively, I think Oklahoma's top 15 in the country. So yeah, do you trust six your... points last week. Twenty to six, yeah. they won at Cincinnati. They forced some turnovers in the red zone. Like they're 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 pretty good defensively. But again, like, can you will you show your team this amount of trust on the road at Oklahoma? That's a different story. So we'll see. But I, I don't think they're not going to be able to run the ball. Same thing I said no. last week. They're not going to be able to run the ball. So no. like to me, this is the formula going forward. The most surprising thing I saw was uh, I think it was. Late in my game, because my game was right around the same time, my Oregon-Colorado game. I opened up Twitter, and I saw a video of an Iowa State running back not only picking up positive yardage, but scoring a touchdown. Yeah, Eli Sanders. It was a good run. That was that was stunning. But again, this is Oklahoma State. Like, If you can't run it against them, and they really didn't. No, 2.2 yards game, per carry, they really didn't. You're not going to be able to run it against anybody unless well, you continue to prove that you can throw the ball down the field and then defenses are going to have to adjust and not have as many guys in the box. And again, too, like if you're going to play this style, and it's just one game worth, but the running statistics matter a lot less because you're, you're passing as right. a substitute for that. So we're going to have to retrain ourselves to not necessarily look at those stats because it's going to be different. But I think, Chris, they need to be passing 75 to 80% of the time. Yeah, I think so, too. I, 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 really I was do. a little bit concerned about the defense, though. No, you like, should be. I, yeah. Giving up 27 I, points to that team. Two of those plays, uh, though, were kind of just but – one was a busted coverage, one was a big run that set up a touchdown, and one was at a late – like a garbage touchdown at the end. So – Well, here comes the Cyclone Van Fwink making excuses. My first, I got to go to the game, too. First time going. I'm not as first time you've ever ever been to an Iowa State. First time ever. No, first time this season. I'm not as concerned as you are about the defense, Chris. But I am. I am. There is a level of concern here, just because Uh it doesn't feel like they're able to get pressure on the quarterback the way that they have. And it and it should be expected. You don't have Will McDonald, right? Like, there's a reason that guy was a first round pick. Their linebackers. When I watched it back, my read on it is that they had linebackers that were really out of position in some spots. So I trust John Haycock to clean some of that up. But, you know, they were really good. I thought the defense in the first three games. But that that was a really uncharacteristic outing for them. Oklahoma State had like almost six yards per play. So, yeah, I I think it's fair for you to bring that up. I really do. And my dad has chimed in. Oh, Williams, I hope your dad is happy beating the worst team in college football. <laughs> did you did you see our fathers get into it on Twitter over the weekend? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. My dad called <laughs> your dad a fool. My dad called your dad a tavern hawk, but he misspelled tavern. 
I'm surprised my dad even knew what a tavern hawk was. And Are you he, sure he does? I, I he said you spelled it wrong, Hick from Southwest Iowa. See why did you doesn't the academy need cutting? My dad thinks that your dad mows the Clorinda Academy. No, he gave up the lawn service, Mister Hassel. He used to mow for the uh, Velisca Axe Murder House. That's the haunted place you're thinking. Well, and then your dad got into like got into my feed, responded to something of mine, and he was like, yeah, you see, your hawks suck. You've got no clue, idiot. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. I, I got to pull up the, uh, I got to pull up his exact quote. What's your dad's name on Twitter, by the way? Mr. Williams? Yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't know the actual. It's not even coming out. I can't even find it. I'm, I, your dad, maybe he blocked me. I was like, hey, Mr. Williams, back off, man. I'm not, I'm not my dad. I'm not the one talking shit. And, I, and honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't know if, if, if my dad is legit pissed. I don't know if your dad is legit pissed. I don't think anybody's pissed. I think it could get that way, though. Yeah. I think they need to sit down on Bloom's Amish rockers and... Uh, the funny thing about these the Amish, out. the We Will Collection uh, signature series benches, I've talked about them on the show before. So I roll into the campground on Friday afternoon, and all you see just in this bare spot are the We Will Collective signature is that, series so benches. Is that just, supposed to be a joke? Like, is it a, is it just like a joke that they put them out there like that? No, I think they're trying to sell them. Who the hell is going to buy those things? Are you kidding me? They're uh, they're made by the Amish, Chris. The Brent Bloom, the Brent Bloom signature chair. Who is going to buy something that looks like that? Something that's that expensive? Definitely not my dog. In something that is has a, an, an engraved signature of Bloom. This Bloom is asked a joke, me if right? I wanted one for my for the studio, and I I politely said no. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. Who the hell's gonna buy these things? Cyclone Jerry, he can't. He doesn't have the money for it. Anybody that would actually use these things doesn't have that kind of money. Let's do our Kelderman manufacturing bigger, bolder, better. Oh, there it is. Oh, uh, he found the, the... Oh, it's Mr. WISU. All right, so I, I tweeted out the uh, the old takes exposed where Cade McNamara, when he came in, he's like, yeah, you guys think we're going to suck in college. Yeah, you're going to... Boy, you knew that so was wrong. coming out on Saturday, didn't you? You knew it was then, just somebody was going to pull yeah. that quote out. Ugh. And then your dad goes, sorry, buddy, sending you a care package of Kleenex to wipe your tears away. By the way, who's a fool now? <laughs> I don't know if he thought he was responding to my dad or what. Oh, it's so great. Hey, uh, legit, all you farmers out there who are starting your harvest, uh, remember our friends at Kelderman Manufacturing. They do agriculture products. The down corn reel is their specialty, but you can check them out at Kelderman.com. What What's the down corn reel? So when, when there's like wind or damaged corn, it helps save the crop. They save the corn? Yeah. 
So, like, if there's hailstorms or windstorms, so, like, a bunch of our listeners in northern Iowa could have had wind. I I don't know how windy it got, but it, it missed us at Iowa State. But, yeah, so then Kelderman, they've got these products that will go in and, and save the damaged corn so that you can still harvest it. It's good stuff. God, they do really all kinds valuable. of stuff over there at Kelderman, don't they? Yeah, they do a great all right. job. All right, we do our bigger, bolder, better uh, performance of the week. Of course, we like to start with Mr. Matt Van Winkle. This Bigger, better, bolder. Powered by Kelderman Manufacturing. I'm just going to keep cutting you off. off with that thing. He <laughs> always cuts you off. You never throw it to me. I just did. Did you guys see uh, Travis Kelsey this oh weekend? Oh, God. I, this is going to be so a disaster. sick of this shit. Uh, this is going to be a disaster. I am so sick of it. If Who anyone cares... If anyone didn't see, uh, Taylor Swift was uh, in attendance for the Chiefs game yesterday and kind of stole the show in the NFL. She is a beautiful woman. She is. You know what I don't this, understand? This is going to turn into such a distraction for the Chiefs. She needs to get the hell out. For the sake of her man, she needs to get the hell out of there right now. They drove off after the game in like a convertible, too. Just like a true love story. Like a, like a just married. Yeah. Just Heading to the Green Lady Lounge in downtown Kansas City. <laughs> yes. I, what I don't understand here is t- Taylor Swift has been Taylor Swift for like 15 years, okay? Like su- superstar. Why has just in like the last two or three years, why has it risen to this next Sorry. level of obsession? What has happened? I don't know. I don't like, really people, get it. People think she's, she's a god. She's become like a generational uh, voice. I mean, she's like like my age, 20s, 30s, have liked her for like 15 years, and now the younger generation is starting to get into her, so she's transcending well, generations she's now. So she's, like multi- she's, yes. She was a country artist, then a pop yeah, artist. Now she's like an adult contemporary. But I, I don't, I'm with you, Hassel. Like I, it's great. Good for her. Yeah. Well, that's that Jesus Van Winkle. Good, good for Travis Kelsey, though. It's a terrible trip. Way to go. I get it. No, it's, that's a bold move to bring your new girlfriend to the Chiefs game. I'm telling you, though. That's like, bigger, better, then, bolder if I've ever seen it. But after the game, like Aaron Andrews asking Trav, or Patrick, this is going to be a thing. I, I'm telling you guys right now. If, like, well, the Chiefs offense, like, they beat the Bears yesterday. Was, who are disaster. The story after the game was not about Mahomes' ankle. It was about right. Taylor yeah. Swift. I'm telling you, remember when... Taking the pressure off, I don't know. Romo was dating Jessica Simpson. Oh, and God. I was, I'm just saying, I know the media, they got their fangs whoa, whoa, into whoa, this whoa. Taylor Swift thing. Don Hassel comes into the comments. Chris was a Swifty back in the day. Is this mm. true? Is this true, Chris? I mean, I, I liked Taylor Swift when she was a country artist when she I first did too. came out. and then I don't like her new stuff at all. Like I've I, tried to listen to it. Aiden, intern Aiden's at Swifty. He's nuts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. Like, he's played that. at the office some of her new stuff, and it's just her just like mumbling. She's not <sighs> even like singing; she's just mumbling. I don't get it. Is she? Is she? Is she mush mouthing? Is she talking like Lou Holtz? I liked it when she sang about like all this the Mean is, Girls and stuff. This like is that. Taylor Swift. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to segue you into there your you triple B. Williams. So mine, I, I got a combo of Lou Holtz and Lee Corso respectively at 86 and 88 years old. I'm nominating them because they are the, the, these guys entering their 90s and they're still relevant enough to have these overly sensitive, paranoid, egotistical, 
college football coaches going off on them after games. Let's play a little bit of what happened with Lou Holtz on the Pat McAfee show and then Ohio State head coach Ryan Day just losing his mind on 86-year-old Lou Holtz after their win over Notre Dame. That, However, he has lost to Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan twice, and everybody that beats him does so because they're more physical than Ohio State. And I think Notre Dame will take that same approach. I know that our schedule... It hasn't been the best. We're 103rd in strength of schedule. However, that doesn't bother me because every day we get to practice against good. We get to practice covering our good receivers. won't be much different than covering uh, the great receiver they have in Ohio State. And plus, we're playing at home. It'll be a close football game, but we will win because we believe. Forget who in the hell we're playing. Just tell Ohio State this. You, 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 you take his message to Ohio State. You tell them they better bring their lunch because it's going to be a full day of day's work. <laughs> okay, so that was Friday on the Pat McAfee show. And Ryan Day gets, you know, one of the, one of the great wins of the entire college football season. <laughs> and this is his initial response after the game. I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. What he said about our team. What he said about our team. I cannot believe this is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio, and it's always been Ohio against the world. And it'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what, I love those kids, and we got a tough team. <laughs> I'd love to know where Lou Holtz is right now. What? <laughs> how could, how could what Lou Holtz said <laughs> on the Pat McAfee show, Lou Holtz has always been a Notre Dame fanboy ever since he was a head coach there. How how could he let that get under his skin that much? Especially like the the minute after the game. Yeah, like it, it's it, like it, he was thinking the whole game. Go, I'm gonna show. I'm gonna show that god that 88 year old son of a bitch <laughs> who hasn't been on TV in 10 years. <laughs> Come on, and it just shows you these coaches. They'll use anything, right? And what is this Ohio versus the world crap? Oh God, you have every advantage known to man. With uh-huh. you there at Ohio State. Underdog Ohio State. Dude, you were favored at Notre Dame. You were a three-point favorite. Let me, uh, you send this message to Ryan Day. You tell him this. You tell him Lou Holtz said, back your lunch, because it's going to be a long day at the office, I tell you. And then Ryan Day's watching that. And he, are you? How could Lou Holtz say that about us? So, not, not only Lou Holtz... Gets in or Ryan Day. So then Washington State head coach Jake Dickert, uh, he was tipped off to uh, he, he he was watching college game day with the 88 year old Lee Corso. Yeah, what did Corso say? Well, it's in. I'm not making. I love Coach Corso. He's one of my favorite media personalities ever. We don't know exactly what he said because nobody could really understand it. Oh jeez. <laughs> he, w- Jake Dickert thought he said. That Washington State, Oregon State is the no one watches bull. Um, uh. We believe he said the no no one cares bull, but it's it's up for debate. Anyways, after the game, he's going off saying Lee. Here's a quote: Lee Corso is at the point now where they just give him a sheet and he tries to make a joke and it doesn't even make sense. 
And he went off for like a minute and a half on 88-year-old Lee Corso. And like, this was like, it, what's funny to me is if you pull up college football Twitter, Saturday night, there's three topics. One, Iowa's offense. Two, <laughs> these two guys who are in their late 80s who are still relevant and pissing off these egomaniac, paranoid head coaches. I absolutely love it. Bigger, better, bolder, Lou Holtz and Lee Corso, you have left legacies, my friends. Amazing. And my bigger, better, bolder is kind of along those same lines, and I'm going the other way because I'm sure you heard what Dan Lanning had to say yes. about Colorado. <laughs> I'm a Dan Lanning guy all of a sudden, by the way. This guy's a badass. So Some people didn't like this. I did because he, did the, he didn't do it after the game. Like Ryan Day did it after the game, was, you know, beating his chest about league or about, about uh, Lou Holt. <laughs> but Dan Lanning, before the game, I think we have the, the ESPN audio. cameras come in and he says this to his team. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood, it's gonna be played on the grass. Right? It's gonna be played on the grass. Let's go. And then they went out and just kicked the ever living placenta out of the Colorado Buffaloes. Who the hell doesn't like that? This is what we need more of. In college athletics. We do not need these guys at the podiums feeding us bullshit. We want real stuff. And that's why, like Ryan Day, like you look like a total idiot doing this, but go for it, bro. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I love it. Yes. Yes. And, I mean, and Oregon was pissed. Like they were <laughs> pissed because the story going into this game wasn't the 10th ranked Oregon Ducks. It was the... 19th ranked Colorado Buffaloes were the team that was a a 21 and a half point underdog in this game because of Coach Prime. And I was there when he came out of the locker room for the first time, walked onto the field. I mean, it's crazy. He's got this insane entourage. It's like a, a mob of 30 people, like a glob that follows him. And it's it's people shooting video of him it's people um making sure that no one's in his way and he comes out he's got his hood on his sunglasses his ball cap and he's like he's looking down and it was so funny because he walks onto the field and he did a full lap walking really slow a full lap around the stadium and walked right in front of the Oregon student section and they're just going nuts <laughs> F you, Coach Prime. And he's just just digging it. I mean, he gets off on this. I mean, what coach? This is like WWE type stuff. It really is. It's great. And this then Dan they Lanning's go in the there I and love just him. get dominated. dominated. Yeah, that game, I was disappointed for you because that game was over in the first quarter, man. Oh, yeah. Now, I... I had a feeling this was going to be ugly and that Oregon was going to win by probably 25 to 35 points. 
I I was hoping selfishly because I was there that Colorado would be able to stay in it for a little while. Oh my God. Oregon, they took the opening kickoff, scored an easy touchdown, just gashing Colorado, just gashing them. And then Colorado goes three and out. Oregon gets it back. Gash, gash, gash. Touchdown. 35 nothing at halftime. Oh. And then Laney makes the quote at halftime that they're not done yet. Like they, to the Fox reporter. What about, to your point on Colorado too, Fox is running a promo right oh now. Oh my God. Where it's referring to USC at Colorado as the game of the year. <laughs> and they clearly cut the promo because I saw it running on Saturday. They cut the promo before the Colorado-Oregon game. And they're you know, overexposing they, Colorado to the point where they're going to make them like a villain now. Well, and, it, and, they, and they already have become that correct, to some yeah. because of this ridiculous media sensational hype. And Big Noon kickoff is going to be there, and they're a 24-point underdog against USC. Like, they, they don't really have a chance. I, I think Colorado wins two more games this year, maybe a third game to get to bowl eligibility. Maybe. But they are so overmatched. I really, I don't know how they beat TCU. Now, they had Travis Hunter in that game. But TCU might be really bad. Really bad. And I know Oregon's really good. Like, Oregon could be a playoff team. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, no doubt. But, jeez. The hype train is just out of control here. It's kind of like with the Taylor Swift stuff it's like it's too much back off a little bit okay just like let it breathe (laughs) let's not try to squeeze every but they see these tv folks they see the ratings and they're just oh yeah give me more i need more that's what they're doing in their office it's like that tiktok trend the media man it can ruin anything they really can when we we just Cling to it and just, you're right, just suck every ounce out of it. Um, so you're at Duke. You're going to Durham this week, Notre Dame Duke. That'll be a mm-hmm. good one. Duke rolled UConn. That was almost going to be an epic yeah. matchup of unbeaten teams. Notre Dame totally blew it. Lou Holtz was, they, they play, it was not fair. The last play of the game, they only had 10 players on the field. Like, listen, listen, if I'm Ryan Day, and I'm the gentleman that I claim to be. I'm calling timeout so that they can get that 11th man on the field so it's a fair fight. But you know what? He knows He knows that he couldn't win that game if it was a fair fight. And so we had 10 guys on the field, and they took advantage. You know, it's, it, we, were the, we were the more physical team the entire day. And then what did they do? They won the game because they cheated. They cheated. The touchdown Jesus. Would never do that. I was watching the old bit of you and Keith Murphy from however many years ago was that? 10? That would have been 2012, I think. So 11 years ago. Keith had the the uh, predator mustache. Oh, yeah. He looks... Yeah, he totally does look like a child predator. Um, <laughs> the, Real quick, I wanted to just thank all the people who... Like, Hassel, like, I know you can't come with me to an Iowa State game, but like it's... It's actually gotten quite distracting. Like, I'm trying to get into the game, and this this random group of, like, 10 people yell, 
Hey, Williams. Placenta! Yeah! <laughs> it's awesome. God, that's great. And what's, what's great about it is, is that I'm totally separated from all that. <laughs> I go to Iowa twice a year. So I can just launch these bombs and, and make you and Van Wink deal with it. My daughter's like, Dad, what's a placenta? Why do these people keep <laughs> saying it to you? This little boy, shout out to Thomas, comes up to me on Friday. I'm setting up my RV. It's just me. I'm all alone. Thomas scares the hell out of me. Comes up from behind me. Hey, I was just listening to you on the radio. I go, oh, yeah, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I go, what What were you listening to? He goes, you and another boy named Chris. <laughs> and Two then the guy, Chris. Brian, the guy who sent you the fairway meat box, mm. he stopped by and said hi to me. Introduced himself yesterday. Really? Yeah, nice guy. Really good guy. Did you actually thank him instead of hassle? Yeah, I shook his hand. I said, I'm sorry for how rude Chris was. almost didn't. What are you talking about? I just thought that that was Fairway, and then you guys opened up a can. You had people sending Fairway (laughs) threats. But uh, if they didn't, if they, if you don't send him a box of meat by the end of the week, I tell you what, I'm never, I'm never shopping at your place again. You're not I'm careful. Not gonna uh, you're going to get some placenta pills in the mail soon. Oh, That's going to be I, the next. I could, I could pound some placenta right now. I'm so hungry. Just, That'd be interesting. What? Put that on I mean, smoker. what? Yeah. yeah well, another show, another time. Put some we got to get out of here. You got to get to the thing. studio. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Uh, appreciate all your great listeners. We wouldn't do it without you guys. You make it fun. We will be back on Thursday. We have a full lineup of shows for you. I, I'll i be with John Miller. I'm working on a fun guest for the CW pod this week. I don't have a book, but we'll have our Big Ten and Big 12 shows. Firmly entrenched legends and listeners. Uh, coming up on Wednesday and Thursday, The Hook with Ken Miller and Mike Palm as well. I will have my locks. I had my first winning week of the year. There you go. last week, hey, so I'm and, starting to feel it. The Prince of Parlays, too. Yeah. In our millions, by the way, back-to-back winning weeks after our horrible 1-4 and four start. And yes, the, the, groove. the Prince of Parlays, John Miller. I, Fade him. He can't keep doing it. He's I think, he went, right I think he went 5-0 and oh on his parlays this week. That's insane. It'll never happen again. And then Miller's just going to, he's keeping receipts from me because I always doubt him and he always wins. Miller is the prince of parlays. Van Wink is the prince of placentas. <laughs> appreciate y'all. Have a great work week. We appreciate it. And we'll be back on Thursday here on Two Guys Named Chris on Iowa Everywhere. Iowa everywhere.